for overtime. Butker's kick is blocked. It's picked up by the Titans. This game is over. The Titans with a signature win. Unbelievable. This place is exploding and a block off the edge. I couldn't tell if he got there early or not, but he gets his hand in. It's Kalu, 46 off the edge with a great jump start. Welcome along to the Transatlantic Titans podcast. I am Adam and for now, at least, I have Miles and Harry both with me. Hello there. Hello. Hello. Um, and then later on in the podcast, we are joined by well, the goat. There's there's no other there's no other word really. Mr. Jim Wyatt is is going to have a chat. Well, he has had a chat already um, to pull back the curtain of timings and everything. Uh, Greg and I spoke to him last night, and we're going to play that. Well, in in full for about half an hour, we had a, a chat in the end. We thought we were only going to get 15, 20 minutes, and he had a bit more time. Um, well, just a fascinating guy to talk to for so long. Um, and so hopefully you are going to enjoy that. First, um, I thought we'd... Well, it's, we've got a win to talk about. And not just a win, but a win that got noticed. It was dramatic. It was incredible. Mm-hmm. Where do you start? Well, do you, Josh, Joshua Kalou, who's become a celebrity overnight... I loved how excited he was at the end of the game, just seeing him just beaming um, for a guy that's been on the fringe practice squad, um, close to getting released a couple of times, in, in my opinion, or has been released, I think, maybe once or twice from us. And then making a game-changing play where he gets that block, just you got to feel so happy for him. And obviously his team, or the rest of the team love him as well because they just swamped him straight away and were, were picking him up something mad for the rest of the time. So. Great time for him. I, I suppose it's a special teams guy, really. I mean, a, a cornerback on the roster, but you know he's he's there for for plays like that. And it looked like he was close earlier as well. Um, but the the timing of Jumpua, he wasn't offside. That's the bottom line. And it, the fact that he looked like he was offside just to a lot of people. And you you look at you look at the play in slow motion, you realise that he's not. Just shows what a what a, what a great moment that was! It, it's definitely how you get yourself noticed, isn't it? A lot, a lot of coaches you'll find that if you're making a special teams play, it's how it all begins. I mean, did you see Vrabel's reaction the moment the play was made? He he was chasing him halfway down the field, trying to get hold of him and give him a hug before all the players. Yeah, it's 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 great to see that, and I had a much more positive impression of sort of how together the team is again. It's it's well, it's amazing what a win can do, um, but. Where yeah, where you see a guy like that who's clearly popular, and having heard an interview with him on NFL Network today, and he's just he's just humble, just a just a nice nice young guy who's who's hopefully got a a big break. You know, he gets gets himself noticed, which is great. Um, the rest of the game, though, I mean, for probably three and a half quarters, I don't think anybody thought we were going to win. Is that fair? There was, there was a stat out that said until that um, field goal was blocked, we were predicted to lose the game the whole way through until that moment when it was blocked. And at one point, it was 99% certain that the, the Chiefs 
just before they took that field goal. Um, so that's two weeks now this season that that's happened, where we've been 99% likely, according to the, the statistics, to lose a game uh, against the Chargers as well as the other one. So we're definitely riding our luck a little bit. We started very, very, very slowly. And I think a few of us within um, the Facebook group and that were thinking this was this is going to be a painful one, especially when we went 10 nothing down after uh, the first quarter, I think. I, yeah, I was preparing myself for the worst, for sure. And the the moment Tannehill turned the ball over, or that, which was a, a dodgy... <sighs> look, Looking at it back, it's a, it's a dodgy call. I was a bit angry with him when I first saw it, almost. It looked like he didn't really try and recover his own fumble. In hindsight, he's really done all he probably had to. Um, but... Yeah, I've forgiven Ryan Tannehill like less than an hour later <laughs> and then some for, for some of his play. Um, but it 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 didn't... Yes, I suppose from that moment on, yeah, once once the Titans scored, it felt like we were playing well, even though we were still likely to lose. And I got to the point where you know, even the fourth quarter, fourth and 17, and that was sort of what we felt was the last ditch <clears> throw <throat> to AJ Brown, who couldn't quite pull it in. You think he was just blind to the to the ball, and at that moment, I kind of thought, actually, we've we've shown some fight today. We're not going to come out with a win, but I'm actually quite happy with how we've played. And then somehow, a lot of weird stuff happened. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost uh, the most Titans expected win, isn't it? If you could have predicted any game of of how we perform and still get the win, it was how it was going to be. We always knew Mahomes was going to get a lot of yards against us, but I think there there was just strange goings on. I mean, their um, when their um long snapper, or not the long snapper, the the holder of the ball, and I feel like I just threw it away, and you just I the moment he done it, I saw down just went, oh well, I just threw it away, but it only clicked moments later. Thinking, hold on, they're gonna lose extra yards here, and everything was just falling into place later on in the game. But the first, the first quarter, I was guilty of um, being slightly negative t- towards the way we were playing, shall we say, and the the Tannehill fumble. I jumped on Tanner and said, what are you doing? But if you look at it back, he's he's holding the ball in his hand as if to say, yeah, I've still got this ball. Nothing wrong yeah, with that. Yeah. And it, it only takes, I think it was Jones for um, Ninja dove on him. And the rest said, oh yeah, now they've got the ball. It's like, what? There's all this protection about a quarterback. Would they rather the quarterback rolled onto it and then got dove on by a 350-pound man? So I, I, yeah, and I expect the two points at the end when he got the two point. I forgive him for not falling on the ball. I thought, yeah, he's put his body on the line there to get us the two points just in case, but didn't need it. So I've forgiven him fully. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just thought. From, I mean, sorry, Harry, go on. From my point of view, I thought the the play calling was a lot better as well. Even though we weren't necessarily firing on all cylinders, it's the first game that Lewis didn't have a touch since he's been a Titan. Which well, you don't like to see, seeing how much we're paying him. But equally, it's a, the best thing for our game. Um, I think Henry shown or showed that he just needs those touches to get going to begin with. And then you see that by, by the fourth quarter, the, um, Romo and Nance were saying the whole game, oh, the Chiefs just don't want a piece of him. They don't want to tackle him. They don't want to be near him. And that's how you got to use a six foot three, 220 pound running back, just running the whole time. So I was frustrated with the, the Tannehill sort of fumble, not fumble kind of thing and a, and a couple of other bits. But from my point of view, I just thought at least we, we got it a little bit better play calling-wise. 
the the Henry's game pleased me no end for two reasons. One, one for him. You know, it's, it's it feels like a. It's probably a bit unfair to say it's a breakout game because he's been he's been playing pretty well this year, and well for the player he is, I, I think the world of him. Um, but also for the offensive line, like a lot of that work was helped by you know, if they maybe clicking finally. Um, especially on that left side. Now Taylor Lewan had a couple of a couple of lost his head moments, uh, two or three mm. consecutive plays. But other than that, I think he played very well and and close to close to his best. You think back to his best. I remember the a game against Green Bay where we absolutely thrashed them, and it, it turned out not to really matter. But he got ejected like in the first quarter for just shoving a, an official, and the, like he's always had things like that in him. But yeah, he missed four games. He's now he's now back. He's copped a load of flack for for the penalty and you know, the the other you know, the hold and the the other flag. But other than that, I thought he had a very good game, and the the offensive line seemed to function much better. Uh, I was good. the one thing I took from the game was how dominating that line was. I mean, with a lot of run plays, it wasn't just straight up run block, and there was guards pulling all over the place, and everything was all clicked and timed perfectly. Luan is a hothead. We all know this. That's his game. To play that position, you've got to be... F- and he came out after the game, didn't he, and apologised for the penalties. But I think that's always going to be a part of his game and the way he plays. But we knew that we needed to run the ball this game to keep Mahomes off the pitch. And the way that um, Henry was running behind that line is going forward, it, it's a huge positive to say. I, I was really impressed by it. Every single one of the members of the line, it wasn't just Luan, everyone I feel on that line had a really good game. Yeah, and you you look at some of Henry's bigger plays, it's yeah, it's the whole yeah, he's all he's getting three or four yards before he's touched. And that that's the mm-hmm. key with Henry. If he gets any momentum at all, he's so hard to tackle. You know, where we were getting frustrated earlier in the year with the, the tackles for a loss and whatever stats there were around the the most in the NFL there, but that's you know, he's not got any speed going at that point, and where the O line's failing. But where you get that start, it just shows what can happen. And that that touchdown for sixty five yards, just gorgeous. Is that the is that the right word? That's when a safety's yeah. tackling Derek Henry. That's what you saw there. They don't want anything to do with him. Sa- safeties can't tackle him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, um, and I, I think it was again. He never gets this recognition but it was like one it was in the top five fastest plays in the nfl like they get a speed gun on every single person i think two the three of the top five are in that game one was tyreek hill and the other was um that was ridiculous hardman. throw yeah no yeah the the throw where mahomes jumped and that ri- ridiculous oh, touchdown you that think, was dumb. Oh, no. you think it's not your day when you <laughs> when you see that but um, and and Ryan Tannehill as well. Um, you know, going going back to that, the the way he that first down, I think it was sort of third and ten, and he's running for it, and he he's a couple of yards short. Or you think he's going to be a couple of yards short? He gets the first down, and then the two point conversion at the end, and and the reaction. It's yeah, it's really interesting to see like. During the off-season, his agents now have come out. Um, I believe it was in between the Chargers and the Tampa game that him and his agents kind of spotlighted the Titans as a place where the, the starting quarterback was likely to be replaced at some point. 
Um, and yeah. I think he's really trying to make a move to make this now his, his team and for his contract to be extended and things like that. I'm sure that we'll do it in a podcast in the future, but looking at what would we do with the, the QB situation, he's 31. He is a good quarterback, but um, if you listen to Move the Sticks with Bucky and um, DJ, um, they always talk about trucks and trailers. And a truck is somebody who can drag their team along and sort of will them to victory. And we almost saw that with Mahomes through his jump pass and things like that. And a trailer, he needs a good team behind him and a good running game or a one-star wide receiver. And that's what we had on Sunday. It's just... I love it and I love what he's done and putting his body on the line and he for me is a marked improvement on Mariota which is something I didn't think I would necessarily say but yeah I totally agree I've been so impressed especially especially this last win I mean mostly I didn't think Tannehill was as good as he's shown I mean it, it might it might transpire that he's this is his best that we've we've just seen but I I don't know maybe you know you look back at Miami and the, the coaching that he had there, I mean, you, you just didn't seem to see that spark from him. So I put a poll on Twitter earlier to just curious, really, crystal ball time. Where will the 2020 Titans starting QB come from? And just a, a vote, Tannehill, Mariota, free agency or the draft. And 63% of the vote was for Tannehill. And I, I, I expected draft to win. But it just shows he's well. He's convinced a lot of people. Um, I mean, the the I don't know what the draft class is like this year. But what you've got to think about is um, there's a lot of teams that have been tanking. I don't. I hate the word, but team have been building up draft picks. So I think there's a few teams out there that are going to have higher picks in the first round for QBs. And. I mean, personally, I think I've been sold a little bit by Tannehill. He averaged 12 yards a run uh, against uh, Kansas, which I didn't expect either. Three carries for like 37 yards or something. He seemed quick, which I'd never noticed to his game. And I think what you said about his coaching in Miami, it'd be interesting to see what he's like with the coaching with ourselves, a different sort of setup to see. Because for the time being, it actually looks like it's benefited him quite a lot. Um, but in terms of... I don't know. This season, there's been so many backup QBs that have come in and, you know, done stuff. I mean, I'm not going to talk about the one with the moustache or with the Jags who looks like he's been <laughs> dropped already. Um, but it looks like there's a lot of options out there. And I think at the moment, why not ride with Tannehill and, for the season? And, you know, we, we sneak playoffs, we get playoffs and we keep on running behind Henry behind that line. It's We just need, it's like what you were saying, Harry, about what sort of level of quarterback we actually need do we need to use a draft pick on a because we'd probably have to trade up considering the other teams that are sort of better options and uh, how they're going to finish this year so i'm happy with i, I think i picked Tannehill from the uh, vault i don't think i had confidence in the uh, free agency market it doesn't mean to say that you can't draft somebody no of course you're still, yeah. you're still with Tannehill uh, uh, especially if you've Mariotta's... not got a high pick yeah I would complain if the right player fell to us in the first round to, to take it and to have him sit behind. You saw what that did with Mahomes. He sat behind Alex Smith for a year, maybe two. I can't remember how many it was. But, you know, it gives him that time to learn, gives you the chance as a franchise to build the pieces a little bit more around and to work out exactly what your scheme is for that quarterback mm -hmm. and then hopefully put him in the right position to succeed. 
we threw Mariota into a losing team with an O-line that was pretty shoddy at the time and wide receivers who weren't really up to much in a running game, that really wasn't anything either. And I think that probably messed up his, his development in the long run a little bit. And don't want to make the same mistake twice. Yeah, I mean, the however you look at anything, the, the current roster is a totally different thing to the, the roster that we had when we drafted Mariota. You know, that we were second pick overall in the draft um, getting him and didn't really improve that season either. You know, it was a horrible O-line, a horrible defense mainly at that, at that time, which doesn't help. You know, you, you don't have the short fields and the, the time of possession. Um, yeah, it's, it's nice. It's just, it's a happier podcast this week, isn't it? Not, not just for the fact we've got a win, but we've, we've got, um, a chat with, with Jim to bring you shortly. Uh, before I get to that, a couple of bits of news that have come out today that I thought worth quickly touching on. Um, firstly, the, the Titans have, I've lost the actual information on this, but basically announced a massive upgrade to the practice facility. Um, which to me is fantastic. Amy, as as an owner, uh, we you, I can't say anything bad about Amy at all. She's fantastic, and the fact that she's throwing money at that sort of direction, which an NFL owner doesn't have to do, and just shows that the priority is in the right place. Yeah, she's constantly investing in the team in so many different ways. From a fan's point of view, bringing the draft to, to Nashville, coming over to London with the team. Um, from a facility point of view, the locker room and other training training facilities and things like that. It's something that you often look at teams that are a little bit lost and you think, well, where's their ownership? And then you look yeah. at it, it's been the same owner for years and years and years. Amy's come in, I think, has done a, a great job. And I'm personally... Delighted we have her as an owner for our team. Totally, totally agree. It's about you know, making making people want to come and play for this team and you know, giving them the best chance to succeed. Um, the Titans have also announced that the the Jags game a week on Sunday, uh, the the honorary twelfth man is is going to be Matt Neely's family, um, which I, I just again. A classy move from a great organisation. What can you say? Yeah, classy was the word I was thinking. The, the moment I saw the announcement, it's it's the first word that came to head. It's it's yeah, it it, it makes you proud, doesn't it? It it, it really does. It's uh, yeah, a great move. You know, to to honour somebody who like that, I think is is terrific. Um, we all yeah, we all know what happened and how how tragic it's it's been, but just. I think it would be very easy just to kind of ignore it, but to have that tribute in that way, I just thought was was terrific. And I think it will be an emotional day. It will hopefully lift everybody, and you know, including including Matt's family. Um, other other bit of news: we've got yeah, three three things to to cover in the space of well, the last couple of hours. Um, we've signed a fullback. Woo! Yeah. But not just not just a fullback. Now, I don't know how the name is going to be pronounced, but this is how I'm going to pronounce it: Kari Blazing Game. Yep, <laughs> I'm sure that's wrong. Uh, but it was on the Vikings yeah. practice squad. Um, I like I like the idea of us signing a fullback. I don't know about you. 
Yeah, I, I definitely approve of it. it. It's another option for, we want, as you were saying before, we want Derek Henry with a bit of space to let him do his thing. He's Too many times it's felt like he's been bottled up a little bit. If he has the opportunity to get himself behind, if the, even if the fullback takes out the first man and then it's a an outside linebacker or a cornerback or a safety, it's having to deal with Henry. We we know what who's going to win that battle. I mean, and he's got a brilliant name, which obviously I'm I'm going to lose about eighty ninety pound order in that jersey once we were saying once his numbers announced. So I'm in trouble with that. But no, on on a sort of football level, I definitely feel like a fullback could be the way. And also, depending on what we do decide to go forward with the quarterback situation, it's another sort of blocking option to give give him a bit more time. So they don't feel like there's so much pressure in the backfield. It's that extra man there. So I've always liked the fullback and then running back option. Yeah, I think we've always played better the last couple of years as well when we played with a heavy set, either two or three tight ends and maybe a fullback as well. So from a scheme point of view, I quite like it. Hewitt's not done a great job as a, as a fullback when he's been in early early on in the year. Um, and I think we've tried like a couple of other people as well in the spot. It's not necessarily worked. But to have a big bruiser who doesn't mind putting his head in the wrong wrong place at the right time, um, the, the wrong this. place at the right time. Yeah, just to like <laughs> wrong place from a defensive point of view when you just get a mental guy running at you, thinking I'm going to knock the middle linebacker's head off. Perfect. <laughs> Weirdly, I think I kind of knew what you meant. Um, okay, well, without without further ado, let's get to the the interview with Jim and. Yeah, uh, thanks. Thanks again to him for for joining us. Here it is. Hi, Jim. Thanks for joining us on the Transatlantic Titans podcast. Um, Jim Wyatt is a name who, well, needs no introduction for anybody remotely connected or knows anything about the Titans. You've been covering the team for what twenty years? Yeah, it's hard to believe since nineteen ninety nine was my first year on the beat, which is the year they became the Titans. They've been the Tennessee. Oilers after leaving Houston and then became the Titans in 99. That was my first year on the beat and uh, certainly been a lot of memories and a lot of, uh, a lot of players and coaches and, and uh, great games that have, have transpired in, in those years. Well, it was a pretty dramatic start in 99, I guess. Um, how, how did it seem when the team first moved there? Obviously, they were in Memphis for a couple of years to start with. Um, how did uh, not from being not from Tennessee myself. Um, how did the state greet the arrival of what was the Oilers? Well, the p- people in Tennessee were really excited when news first came down that the Oilers were lo- leaving and coming to Tennessee. But the people in Nashville were going to have to be patient because even though they started practicing in Nashville, they weren't scheduled to play games until 1999. Uh, even though they were going to start playing games in Nashville in 99, even though they were moving to Tennessee and they're going to start playing football games in 97. They first went to Memphis, and I'll say that the enthusiasm and the, and the support and, and the attendance of those games in Memphis was really bad. And uh, I think yeah. a lot of people wondered about the future of the franchise in the state just because they couldn't, they couldn't get close to filling up the Liberty Bowl in Memphis. And a lot of games they had – more fans from the other team there. And uh, so they got out of Memphis and they moved to Na- Nashville and started playing at Vanderbilt. And you started to see a little bit of an uptick when they were in Nashville. But they were still the Oilers and still 
had a feel that it was really still somebody else's team. It wasn't until 99 when they when the new stadium was built and when they officially became Titans that uh, that people really embraced this team. And then they started winning. I mean, you go from being an 8-8 eight eight team three years in a row to going to the Super Bowl and having the music be a miracle. And once that happened, people were all in. And uh, certainly it was a great start. Uh, been some ups and downs in the years that have passed since, but I feel like this team is on the upswing here in 2019 and hopefully some good days to come. Let's hope. Let's hope so. Let's hope so. Yeah, that was, it's it's interesting because um, obviously you're a native Tennessean, so I think it's off for you. Uh, correct if I'm wrong, I might have completely get this completely wrong. I was listening to a a podcast that you did with um, the guys at Ice the Kicker uh, probably about a year or so ago. Am I right in saying that when you grew up, you were a Dallas Cowboy fan? I grew up a fan of another team, but it was not the Cowboys. <laughs> was, well, that's, uh, that's embarrassing for me. It was the Buffalo Bills. Ah, okay. <laughs> Apologies. Yeah. Oh, that's embarrassing well, yeah, for yeah, me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, odds are pretty good because there's a lot of Cowboys fans out there. But I grew up in Nashville. Obviously, didn't have a team. Uh, you know, I, I love the NFL, but I was a Buffalo Bills fan because I loved O.J. Simpson back in the day. I, I was just a young boy when uh, OJ played for the Bills and he uh, he was my favorite player and uh, and I stuck with the Bills you know through the 70s and and through the 80s some really bad years and uh, drove to the Super Bowl in Atlanta went by myself uh, when they played the Cowboys in their fourth Super Bowl and really support them all the way through and uh Never dreamed I'd have an NFL team in my hometown. And then when that came along, obviously things changed. I went from covering high school sports to covering the NFL. And you kind of have to put your childhood allegiances and fandom aside when the NFL team comes to town. So I'll have to admit, it was a funny feeling for me in 99 because, again, I'd been a Bills fan since the time I was, you know, seven years old. And, um, and then I was covering the Titans. I wasn't working for the Titans then like I am now. I was working for the Nashville Tennessean as a newspaper reporter. So here I am covering the, my childhood team, uh, the Bills, who I still had a soft spot in my heart for, playing against my hometown team now, the Tennessee Titans. And then to have that Music City miracle happen there, I, I have to say I was filled with mixed feelings at the time because uh, I still had a lot of Buffalo Bills in my blood at that time and it was uh, uh, that was a, a finish for the ages as long as you now realize that the past was backwards that's fine though right <laughs> yes it was uh, it definitely working for the team there's no question it was backwards and then working you know and, and again working for the team now I think all the the childhood uh, feelings about the Bills kind of out the window because the Titans are competing against the Bills now and and I want franchise I work for to do well and and you know just a month ago the Bills came into Nashville and beat the Titans so the Titans got to figure out a way to beat the Bills and uh and certainly there's no question who I'm who I'm for these days when those teams two teams play against each other now if they're not playing each other I think I'll still pull against the Bills uh probably every week Fantastic stuff. And, and with regards to, you say, O.J. Simpson is kind of your hero growing up. Who would you say your favorite Titan of all time is? Uh, I, I, and I guess when I look at it now, uh, I do it from a professional standpoint just because 
I look at these guys obviously as players and their productivity, uh, but when I view them, I also have to take into account just what kind of guys they've been to deal with and, and what they've been like to work with, not only when they played, but in, since their playing days have ended. And, you know, when I think about the best guys that I've ever, you know, been around as far as professionals and, and, and just faces of the franchise and just great guys, you know, Eddie George comes to mind. I mean, uh, you know, I still I have a good relationship with Eddie to this day. And uh, it started when I was just a young r- reporter, really didn't know much about covering the NFL in 99. Again, I, I covered high school sports, uh, you know, when I first started the newspaper. And I was starting off, you know, covering the Titans in 99. That was all new to me. I was a young pup and, and kind of learned on the job. And Kind of like Eddie George was was so kind and so uh, you know so uh, willing to be patient with the guy that really was kind of finding his way as a reporter. So uh, I have great memories of Eddie and what a great competitor he was. I have great memories of being around Steve McNair and uh, and just what kind of guy he was to cover and his toughness and what what kind of uh, impact he had in the Nashville community before he before his death. Um, untimely death. Um, you know, I, I think about a lot of those guys from that era, from '99 to 2003, when the team went to the playoffs four times in five years. So, a lot of those guys I have great memories of. I, I you know, look back and the Chris Johnson days were one of some of the most fun days um, I had covering the team, just because he was such an explosive player and such a uh, and such an interesting personality and. Um, and and there have been so many great guys now. I mean, this team now is filled with outstanding uh, community guys and good football players. And when these guys come back on, on reunions now, we had a reunion homecoming weekend just a couple of weeks ago. It's hard for me to believe that a lot of these guys who were just coming to the league now have you know, obviously retired a long time ago. Now they have families and kids, and some of them have kids that are playing in, you know, in college. You know, Brad Hopkins has a son that plays Purdue, and, and Lorenzo Neal has a son that plays Purdue, and there have been a lot of guys here. Eddie George, his son, played at Vanderbilt, and then he, uh, you know, his, his eligibility is up there. So it's just unbelievable how much time has passed and seeing how these guys have uh, have turned into to grown men now. You mentioned the the current team, Jim. I mean, where do you see it? We we feel like we've spent every week on the the podcast this year either talking about. Marcus and, and now Ryan Tannehill coming in for him, all talking about the coaching. And um, you, you said that you know, the, the team's on the up, in your opinion. Um, where do you think it can go, both this season and in the, the coming couple of years? Well, this season has, has taken a turn here, and it took a turn on Sunday when they came <laughs> back to beat the Chiefs. I mean, the, the outlook really changed. I mean, people in Nashville obviously very frustrated by this team because. Um, you know, lost, got shut out in Denver. You know, blew a game against Buffalo uh, here early the season. Blew a game against Indianapolis, and you're sitting at four and five with the Chiefs coming to town. And outlook was pretty bleak, and it was really bleak when it was 29 to 20 Chiefs in the fourth quarter. But the Titans found a way to come back and win that game uh, in in miraculous fashion. And now to be sitting at five and five, and you look at the division. 
knowing you have two games left against the Texans and knowing you have four of the last six left against teams from the AFC South. Um, this team has talent, and uh, it's going to get guys healthy here over the bye week. You know, won that game on Sunday without five starters. You know, no Drew Casey, no Corey Davis, uh, no, uh, no Delaney Walker, no Jayon Brown, no Malcolm Butler. Now, Butler's done for the year, but all those other guys, I expect to see him back. So I think they're going to get healthy and, and have a chance to, to make things really interesting here. Uh, in November and December. So I, 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 and I think the way Ryan Tannehill has played, he's had a lot of energy and, uh, and given his team a lot of confidence. So, you know, this, this season I think still has uh, – there's reason to be optimistic. Now, moving forward, there's a lot of question marks. I mean, because a lot of the guys who are getting it done this year uh, have co- expiring contracts. And one of those guys is Ryan Tannehill, who, who's – only signed a one-year deal, and one of them is Derrick Henry, who whose yeah, contract yeah. is up. You know, Logan Ryan's contract is up. I mean, there, there's so many free agents to be, and uh, you just don't know what's going to happen from one year to the next. And that's why you got to really take advantage of your opportunities. And there's no time like the present. Absolutely, yeah. I think with, uh, it's something that, as fans as well, it's uh, we're always looking at. You know, what is that team going to look like next year? Uh, is Derek Henry going to get paid? So yeah, it'll be a very interesting one. And uh, putting your neck on the line, Jim. What do you think? What's your end of season prediction? What What do you think we're going to finish at? Well, I've I've said this before. I kind of I kind of laugh a kid when. Uh, and, and make a joke a little bit when people ask me about my predictions because if I predict the team to win a game or if I predict them to you know win five out of six and make the playoffs, uh, people call me a homer because I work for the team and that's what I'm supposed to say. And if I, <laughs> if, I, if I say well this matchup doesn't look too good, I don't I think the Titans have a hard time winning or or you know the schedule looks tough and. You know, I, I think some other teams the win and people are thinking, what's this guy doing working for the team? You didn't have confidence. <laughs> I'm, I'm always in a tough spot when I'm making predictions. But I will say this. I mean, I, I think uh, the, the what I've seen here with wins in three out of the last four weeks, I'm optimistic. I mean, I'm, I'm optimistic that the Titans are, gonna, are going to, uh, you know, have a chance to win this division and, and make the playoffs. But – um, because I, I think this team is on the upswing, and I look at the schedule of some of these other teams, and I know the Texans have got Baltimore coming up this weekend, and I know they got a game against the Patriots on the schedule, and I know they've got some other division games, and I look at Indy's schedule and, and Jacksonville's schedule, and I think the Titans have as good a chance as anybody. But But this team needs to be consistent and needs to play like it did on Sunday against the Chiefs here down the stretch and not like it did against the Broncos and not like it did against the Bills, uh, not like it did in that first meeting against the Colts. Now, um, I, I think McCain Hill at quarterback, I, I have liked what I have seen as far as energy and production and being for, uh, being good in the red zone. Uh, so I, 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 have, uh, I have high hopes moving forward. It's, it's, Difficult predicting any Titans game, as you as you say. Um, nobody, I mean, even us, our most optimistic, didn't think we had a, a shot at beating the Chiefs. But yeah, and you mentioned some of the 
the other games that have gone the, the opposite direction. I'll, I'll defend you there and say that I don't know how you're expected to to predict a, a season outcome when week by week it's just as impossible. Um, go, going into the bye week, obviously you mentioned that players coming back, hopefully, um, including Delaney Walker, do you think? Because we've, we've had the odd concern that maybe not everything's as it seems with Delaney. Well, I know he's frustrated, and I, and I talked to him, you know, yesterday again, and I've talked to him a couple of times in the last week. I mean, and you know, he expected at some point coming back from that ankle injury that he would have a setback or he'd have some soreness, um, and he's dealt with that. Uh, I, I think he feels like another week off, and especially with the bye week, you know, he can shut it down this week and hope get, to get back to practice next week. I think he feels like he's going to – to be able to return and to be himself again. Um, but anytime you have an injury like that, I mean, you 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 just can't dismiss it and just say everything you know, is going to be okay. Because, you know, and again, I don't think people are taking cheap shots at him, but I think people are, you know, tackling him by the ankle and people are aware that he's coming off of an injury and now they're going to be aware that he's been on, you know, missed a couple of games and still dealing with, some issues with that. So he's not going to get a free pass in any of these games, not that you get free passes any time in the NFL. So he's going to have to work through some things physically and mentally. Um, I think the good news is is that John Smith has gotten better while playing for Delaney Walker. And Anthony Ferkser made another big play on Sunday. And uh, some other guys around him have stepped up and played better. And hopefully Delaney can kind of look like the Delaney that did at the start of the season when he scored two touchdowns in the season opener against the Browns. Because if, if he's back and healthy and able to do his part, then that makes everybody else better. Yeah, I think you got. Yeah. You, it's a very good point when you say around Johnny Smith and and Anthony Ferkser as well. I think I. Uh, um, tweeted over the on Sunday how how much those two especially have stepped up in the absence of Delaney Walker and uh, and really kind of shown their value to the team. Johnny Smith especially, who I think in the early years some people were just kind of seeing him very much as a backup and uh, with Delaney Walker kind of shining, but he's he's really coming to his own. He connects up really well with Tannehill as well. I think them two have got a nice little partnership going. So hopefully more of the same until Delaney's back and then hopefully we can see the best of Delaney Walker again. Yeah, and, uh, and if you get Corey Davis back too. Yeah, because because Corey, I mean, that's a, that when I look back at this game against the Chiefs, I mean, it's it's it makes it even more impressive to me is that they did it without Delaney, they did it without Corey Davis, and you know they did it without a couple of guys on defense. So uh, if you can get healthy, especially on offense, and get Corey Davis and Delaney Walker back, I mean, those are two of your biggest weapons, um, and um, the team won without them. So I think that's an encouraging sign. And Jim, I appreciate the time is limited, and yeah, thanks, thanks very much again for for spending the time to speak to us. Um, before you go, I would be, I could never forgive myself if I asked you, well, so if I didn't ask you, what your favourite colour breeches were. <laughs> uh, I have to say, uh, I like the uh, the light blue breeches, uh, and that's that's funny how that's taken off. You know, when I when I <laughs> first started working for the team, uh, uh, you know, I started tweeting out, 
the uniform uh, combinations. I, I didn't do that while I worked at Tennessee. When I started working with the team, I thought, well, this would be something interesting. And I think in the first year I did it, I said that they were going to wear, you know, white, you know, jerseys and, uh, and you know, blue pants or they were going to wear white jerseys or blue trousers. And then uh, one day I did light <laughs> did, did jerseys and I said the word britches and it just – it just took off, and and uh, it's it's been kind of funny how that's kind of uh, uh, been a thing around here, and it's um, people like it, and and that can't, comes from Larry Munson, who used to cover, used to be the the analyst, radio play-by-play guy for the Georgia Bulldogs. He used to call uh, as a kid. I used to listen to him, and he would say that the Bulldogs were dressed in the, the silver britches. I always remember that, and. Uh, so I started saying that, and it's just kind of taken off here, and I, I get a kick out of how people seem to enjoy that. So I'll, I'll always use britches. I won't use trousers or pants anymore. I always use britches. Britches is and the way never forward. Never change that. Never change it. <laughs> we uh, we over here have hashtag Brits Watch, which I'm sure you've probably seen on Twitter from time to time. Because I'll be honest, it's one of the highlights of the week during the season, waiting for uh, what what brich color britches it's going to be this week. So, me and Adam especially very much jump on that bandwagon. We're very uh, big fans of uh, of the britches. So keep that, keep that, never let that die. <laughs> what do you guys okay. like? What's what's the combination you guys like the best? Going out I, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say the light blue as well. Um, I quite like the light blue jerseys. It's a throwback to the to the Oilers, um, and I, I like the fact that again we've we've used those a couple of times in recent weeks. So may, maybe that's one of the reasons for upturning fortune. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm a big fan of the uh, the light blue jersey. I think obviously last year they didn't really wear it apart from in week one against Miami, which. Uh, that game still gives me nightmares, but um, other than this year, it's gone pretty well so far. I was over for a couple of games, and the Chargers game we wore that in, which was uh, one of the, the tightest games I think I've seen uh, seen for a long, long time. So yeah, big fan of that that particular jersey. And from from Britch's point of view, definitely got to be in the light blue, even with the white jerseys with the light blue britches. <laughs> Excellent. Um, yeah, thanks. Thanks again for your time. Um, really good to speak to you. Hope you yourself get a bit of time off during the bye week. I'll do it. And if y'all need me, I got about ten more minutes. If you if, uh, if you need me for anything else, I'll be glad to stick around. Oh, amazing! Well, I have one question which uh, was on my list that I was going to ask you, which I will which I'll ask you now. Who is your current favourite player to interview? I'd say my. I, I would say that. Uh, uh, probably Kevin Byard would have to rank up there. I mean, there, there are several guys, that, you know, and in a locker room, everybody's filled with different personalities. But, you know, Byard, especially being a local guy and uh, somebody who's so easy to root for, uh, always enjoy interviewing him. And then his, his locker room mate, Logan Ryan, right uh, beside him. I mean, those guys, I think, provide great perspective on what's going on and the secondary, uh, you know, Cameron Wake is really, I find him very interesting. I mean, he spent his whole career with the Dolphins before coming here. I mean, he's he just so thoughtful and articulate and and has such a great outlook on the game. Uh, I think he'd have to qualify there. I think Jarrell Casey's one of these guys that tells it like it is and 
and have so much respect for him and how he kind of handles his business uh, on the team and, uh, you know, in the community. Uh, you know, Lawan is about as colorful a guy as you'll find. I mean, you never know what you're going to get with him. You know, sometimes, you know, he doesn't like uh, the crowd, but then I think sometimes he acts like he doesn't like the crowd, and he really does because uh, he seems to enjoy having uh, having uh, the attention sometimes. He doesn't like the attention when it's about penalties, but he likes to, he likes <laughs> to hold court a little bit. So I think all those, you know, those are probably five – that jump out at me, and uh, and all of them have different, you know, personalities. And uh, you know, people always hear people talking about leaders on the team, and and want to point to the guys who are the biggest talkers or the guys who are the best at interviews uh, as the leaders. You know, I didn't mention Derrick Henry, and that's really because he just, he just doesn't have as much to say. But he, I still think he's a really interesting guy and a guy you consider. Uh, a leader of the football team, even though he's more um, business-like uh, in interviews. I, I think I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Wesley Woodard, too, a guy who's been around here before and been a captain his whole life um, since he first started playing in high school, you know, to to college at Kentucky, to the Broncos, the Titans. He's been a captain along the way, and, and he, he is uh, he's a great interview uh, because he's so smart and has such a great uh, history in the game. And if, if if we've got you for a few more minutes, I just want to touch on, on Marcus Mariota quickly, who may may have played his last game of Titan, we don't know. Um do do you think well, where firstly, where do you think his, his future might be? Um and also I've noticed that he just he comes across as a, a consummate professional and just seems he's now backing up Ryan Tannehill and I have the impression that his wholehearted support is genuine. Um, uh, just, just your, just your views on that, really, and you know, how how you see him as a as a person, and what you think might happen to him. Well, there's there's nothing phony about him. I mean, sometimes uh, guys will put on a front, or they'll they'll have uh, you know a persona that doesn't really match the way. Uh, that they are in life. I mean, I've, I've dealt with a lot of guys who, who, and I've seen a lot of other guys from afar that I've thought, oh, this guy's a great guy. And then you hear stories, of, well, he, you know, he maybe not as, uh, maybe not as good a guy as you think he is. With Marcus Mariota is as good a guy as anybody could possibly imagine. Uh, he's he's kind to people. He's polite. He uh, he's a yes sir no sir guy. He says thank you. He knows people's names uh, that cover the team, reporters, other people that work in the building, and everybody that ever encountered him. I've never I haven't met one person that has ever said that a negative thing about Marcus Mariota. So from a personal standpoint, he's a super guy. Um, where his career goes from here. Um, it's a great question because uh, as of November the 12th, it's, it's hard to see Marcus Mariota back with the Titans. He's a backup quarterback now. Uh, you know, I don't know what's going to happen with Ryan Tannehill, but um, I would think if he continues to play like he has this season, I would think the odds of him returning, you know, obviously greater than Marcus Mariota's. And 
what this team does in the draft or if it, it brings some more company in at the quarterback position remains to be seen. But it's just hard for me to see Marcus back here. Um, uh, I, I think he still will have, can have success in this league, but I think he's going to have to get in the right system, and I think he's going to have to be in a position where teams can take advantage of his skill set and put him in a position to succeed. Um, there's no question. I mean, the, the, whole, the only bad thing about the way that things have played out with the quarterback position here is that it seems like there have been a lot of Marcus Mariota fans who didn't like seeing him benched, and now there's a feeling that they're rooting for Ryan Tannehill to fail. Um, and those people come out whenever he has uh, some bad moments. Um, but Marcus Mariota is supporting Tanny Hill on the practice field in the locker room. He is, uh, he's been a great teammate and, uh, there's no question that Ryan Tannehill out has outperformed Marcus here as a starter. And that's, um, that's based on the way they have both played, uh, when they've had an opportunity. So that's a long winded answer that really touches on every facet of Mariota in the quarterback position, but he's a great guy. I wish him the best, uh, and no matter where he ends up, and uh, and I can say that if you asked me this question 20 years ago, like you asked me, you know, about 20 minutes ago about best guys that I've covered, he's going to be one of those guys at the top of the list because he's a he's a super guy who was raised right and uh, been a great uh, a great ambassador for the organization. I I think that's. That's dead right, and that's probably the reason he's he's been so popular, and maybe the the reason that some fans, well, I don't know, yeah, maybe some fans do want Ryan Tannehill to fail because of it. Um, if you wouldn't mind telling a few of them that it's perfectly okay to like Marcus Mariota and just be a Titans fan, then that would be good. Yeah, but for, I'm afraid that I have to do a mailbag here every week, uh, a couple of times a week, and I, I'm on social media a lot and and uh and believe me it, not a day goes by when i don't have somebody questioning whether or not uh you know marcus mariota would be doing the same thing that ryan Tannehill would be doing if the team support them better and uh, they don't want to hear the reality that that Tannehill's is you know is the starting quarterback now because marcus didn't play well i mean i'm not trying to take a shot at marcus when i tell that to people but uh he lost his job because he wasn't playing well. And, and Ryan Tannehill has been able to hold it and will continue to hold it if he keeps playing the way he has the last four weeks. He's been better as the team's starting quarterback since he took over. Uh, some, some Marcus supporters don't want to admit that. And a lot of them are from Oregon. A lot of them are from Hawaii. Uh, but obviously I know that Marcus has a, a fan base that, uh, that is – spans the globe uh, because I think everybody realizes what a great guy he is and uh, he's such an easy guy to root for. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think um, it, it hasn't quite worked out, which has been obviously for us as Titans fans uh, disappointing and, and quite sad because we, we all know how much of an amazing guy he is. I think most of the Mariota fans definitely were rooting for him to succeed, not only because he is actually a, a great quarterback, but also just because he's a great guy. Um, but yeah, listen, 
Jim, it's been absolutely amazing to have you on. Uh, we really appreciate it. We know that your time is precious. Uh, I'm sure you've got a million and one things to be doing. So we really do appreciate you taking sort of 20, 30 minutes to uh, to spend some time with us. Um, hopefully we can try and get you on again in the future at some point. Um, maybe when we're on the cusp of a Super Bowl in a year or so, uh, we can get you on and hopefully be able to uh, talk, talk Titans um, again. But yeah, obviously really, really appreciate your time and hopefully... You're, you'll be able to uh, have a listen to uh, to some of our some of our thoughts and feelings on our podcast um, in in the near future. But thank you ever so much. I really appreciate it. Um, we, we really you know don't underestimate how much uh, this means to us. Yeah, well, I appreciate you having um, me on, and hopefully Titans will be back over in the UK playing again someday. I, I've covered the team again. You guys know my history. You talked about it earlier, but in all my time covering. Uh, you know, the team, and I've covered, you know, Super Bowls and playoff games and made road trips to Lambeau and, to, you know, to uh, some of the more historic stadiums across the NFL. But my trip to London for that Titans-Chargers game last year uh, ranks among the best, you know, sporting events and best road trips that I've ever made. So I'm, I, every time when we off-season hit, they start talking about these games uh, in London, I keep my fingers crossed that the Titans are going to end up back over there again because I loved it. I probably slept five hours from the time we landed on Thursday to the time we left on Sunday just because I couldn't sleep because uh, my time, my schedule was so messed up. But I didn't want to sleep because I I spent a lot of my time just walking the streets and seeing the sights, and uh, I didn't want to miss anything since it's the only time I'd been there. So I, I hopefully one day uh, we'll be back. Fingers crossed, Jim. <laughs> we we see. I mean, the Atlanta Falcons announced today that they're they're going to have a, a home game overseas. They were vague as to whether that would be Mexico or London. But my first reaction was, oh well, we're not we're not playing the Falcons next year, so that's a shame. Um, hopefully, it'll be a, a, maybe a divisional game against uh, against the Jags. We, we'll never know. Um, but yeah, it'll be it'll be great to see you over here again sometime. That sounds good. Well, I appreciate you guys having me on, and uh, hopefully we'll do this again at some point. Sounds great. Thanks very much, Jim. Really appreciate the time. Okay, thank you. Cheers. Take care. Thank you. Cheers. All right. There we go. Um, Greg and I certainly enjoyed chatting to Jim last night. Hopefully you've all enjoyed it too. Um, to finish off the podcast, the only way we know how with any non-Titans-related business, um, I've well... I will I will go first. I'm didn't really have anything mundane to say. I just wanted to wish everyone involved with the Kickers Matter podcast all of all the very best. Um a, a tragedy, really. And one of the hosts, Steve Rains, has passed away, which is awful for obviously his uh, his friends and family, the podcast. Um the UK NFL community has lost a, a great guy there. So I just wanted to shout out to them really and and wish them all the best. Um yeah. Strange thing to uh to bring into non-Titans related, but just uh just felt like I needed to give them a give them a quick shout out on here. Um hopefully you two have got something much more in keeping with the 
the traditional end. Um, well, so, yeah, I'll, I'll 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 be quick with my Oxford are still unbeaten. My Saturdays are still getting ruined by not being able to go out and do anything. Um, I know if anyone's listened in the past, I always have it where I'm very superstitious, and we've now been unbeaten in 15 games, and I'm getting worried that I won't actually be able to have a social life soon if it continues. Um, my one moving away from that. Um, I don't know how you guys feel about this. I've heard about uh, the Colin Kaepernick news that um, yeah. he's apparently been, well, the NFL have said, will he do a um, a workout uh, on on Saturday? So he's been given four days in Atlanta. So I was watching NFL Network before and they were talking about it and they were getting the opinion. I think it was Mike Silver who was on uh, GMFB and they were talking about First of all, how many coaches or GMs are actually going to go along on a Saturday, the day before a game to Atlanta to go and watch? But then it got me thinking what sort of teams will, you know, take a serious look at it. You see what Lamar Jackson's doing at the moment in the league. And Kaepernick when he was, well, I don't want to say in his prime or not in his prime, but before he stopped playing, was very much capable of doing similar schemes. And I wondered how many teams will think, maybe that could be us next season or take a punt on it. And, I mean, try not to say, will the Titans be? Obviously, we're doing non-Titans related, but yeah, I didn't know what everyone else thought about Kaepernick. I think it's really interesting that they scheduled it for a Saturday. Obviously, mm-hmm. a lot of build-up will be going on the Sunday games anyway, so they've almost tried to try to push it to the side a bit. Um, player workouts usually happen on a Tuesday as well, which means yeah. more GMs and coaches and positional groups or, or whatever it is can go down to watch that um, try out. And he's also asked to move it either later or earlier, and that's been refused. <laughs> so it kind of makes it feel like the NFL is almost doing something a little bit token, as if, yeah, okay, you've been asking him for a, a workout for a while, and maybe a couple of teams want to watch it, but let's make it as difficult as possible for you. That's just my opinion anyway. Have, I, I, may be, I may be being a bit ignorant here, but have teams not even given him a workout at various points? I, I'm not sure... <laughs> No, there's been lots of opportunities okay. and no one's ever given him the workout. That's why, again, it just seems when the news came out, it was just a bit strange to me. And it's, yeah, they've given him four days to plan what sort of workout it's going to be. And you have to go, what receivers you're going to have and what. To me, it's, yeah, I, I agree. I, I thought it's a bit strange. Teams have had the opportunity for, what, two, three years now, however long he's been out of the game. And no one's decided to do it. So why now? It's only because the NFL have decided to. I don't want to say give him because it seems like the wrong wording, but mm. like I said, oh, we'll let him have a workout and see if teams want to come along. I I, the thing, the fact is, it's three years since he's played in the NFL. So it, I'm not really expecting him to, I, I don't mean, I don't mean this to be unkind. I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> the, the, don't want this to come across the wrong way at all. But my, my fear is that he, he just won't look very good. And the fact that he's 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 going to be rusty, he hasn't. I, I'm sure he's fit and he's been working hard and and everything else. But you can't replicate playing in the NFL for three years and sort no. of losing that chunk of your career. It's it to me. It just seems it's too too little, too late. Um, I don't think it's going to achieve anything, and I'd be surprised if he if he gets signed on the back of this. And if he does, I'd be very even more surprised if it went well. No, nope, I agree. I'm completely the same. I, I when I, they said, "Oh, he's working out," but you you can't replicate. Mat- it's like match fit, isn't it? They always talk mm. about in soccer. It's like, oh yeah, they've come out of their engine. They've been fit for 
two months, but they're not match fit. It's a completely different situation. You can run around and you can throw a ball, but can you do it when you've got people screaming at you, linebackers running at you? No, yeah, I, I just don't see it being something that's going to work out. No, this is a, a real shame, but it's kind of, it's, this should have happened two, two and a half years ago or whenever, shouldn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, Harry. Yeah, so mine's, uh, not, mine's not even football related, um, but it's a little bit of a gripe that I've realised that I've got for absolutely no reason. Um, and it's something that people say, like we've had a couple of people come in recently, like for birthdays or whatever, where I work, and they've said, oh, I'm 50 years young. <laughs> like, like why, why do you have to say 50 years young like don't don't change something that doesn't need being you're 50 years old i'm i'm 24 years old you know whoever's whatever age old don't need to say young as if you're trying to lie to yourself about your age like it doesn't make a difference really really frustrated me like we realized this the other day and just got more annoyed now watch the tv show can't even remember which one it was someone said the same thing and i was like Oh, let's just turn it off. I've had enough of this. <laughs> and it, 50 years young, no point. The thing is, now you've noticed it, it will, constantly, it will eat away at you because you'll hear it more. And every time you hear it, it will just, just grind. You'll shout at someone at some point. Hopefully, like, none of my mates listen to this as well and then start saying that on the, reg- like, on the regular, <laughs> like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm only uh, 20, 20 something years young. And I'm like, oh, please stop this. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's going to annoy me now. I'm 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 with you on this. You're welcome. Very good. That that's that's what that's the sort of thing we're looking for on from non-Titans related. That's ex- exactly what exactly what we need. Well, it's um, always great when we had a fantastic podcast. You know, you guys interviewing Jim Wyatt, us going on about a win. You know, um, having a tribute and stuff like that, and about Matt Neely and all of this. Great news from the Titans, and then we'll finish it off with me moaning about somebody calling themselves young. <laughs> what a waste! I regret nothing. It's exactly how it should be. Um, yeah, let's let's wrap it up. I think we'll do a pod next week. Um, just looking, it's it's weird with a bye week and everything, but we'll probably do a shorter pod looking ahead to the the Jags game. Um, but yeah, other than that, um, thanks thanks for listening. Thanks to you guys, and thanks to Jim for for joining us. We will be we'll be back next week. Tighten up. Turn up.